Hello and welcome back to the podcast. <laughs> welcome back to my deconstruction journey. The podcast that is all about me, all about my deconstruction journey. That's all it is. Um, yes, deconstruction journey, leaving the church to follow Jesus. Um, that's the tagline, and that's what we're calling it. Um, yeah, this is me just going through my deconstruction journey. That's what it is, that's what it says on the tin, and that's what it is. Um, so yeah, thanks for listening. If you're listening, if you're not listening, then that's alright too. Um, you won't be listening to this, and you won't know what this is, but there you go. Um, yeah, I'm just in the car at the moment, it's a car cast, again. I'm not with the dog, as I sometimes am, I've just been on a job, um, and I thought I'd take some time out after the job to sort of sit and go through the next point that I want to go through. If you listen to the last one right to the end, then well done, and if you did it right to the very end, then you'll know that that is to do with the Trinity. So what I'll be doing is I'll be just um, going through what what it is. I kind of wrote a bit of a spiel on this about a year ago. Bloody hell, yeah, about a year ago um, when I was doing some reading and I kind of we were camping at the time in the south of England, um, the New Forest. That's where we were. And I was kind of sat outside a tent um, and I kind of jotted down these few ideas and then I've kind of not looked at them since. Um, they kind of felt like the natural thing to talk about after the last episode, which was kind of about blood. I got into a bit of a convoluted, um, sort of, not a convoluted thing, I kind of got into a thing that uh, Tom Wright had said, which seemed a bit convoluted, and then, <laughs> yeah, so we're putting, we're lumping all the convoluted things together, and we're just talking about the Trinity, um, and sort of pulling that a bit, pulling that apart a bit, I guess, I don't know, like I don't, I keep calling it my deconstruction journey, I don't know if it's really, how much of it is deconstructing, it seems that certain people I don't know if I talked about this already. It seems certain people just kind of just. I've had people like friends who have just left the faith, left their faith, left the faith. I've had friends who've left like Christianity, and I don't know if they've gone for the same sort of things, or if they're just like, nah, it's all bollocks in it. Um, then there's others who seem to deconstruct more purposefully and it gets to a point where it's kind of more yeah you kind of keep pulling at things and I guess maybe it's more academic in a way and you're kind of wanting to if it comes out from a place of frustration or anger I suppose than you are um, kind of picking at things and kind of you know sort of saying more like, oh, well, this is a bit, look how stupid this is, and 
you know, I can't believe that people believe this, and that leads to more atheist things, and I guess this isn't either of those, it's kind of a more, definitely more wanting to hold on to my faith, but also questioning a lot of it, but also probably, probably not questioning in it as much as others might, but, you know, if you don't like it, then that's right. Because it's my deconstruction journey. It's not your deconstruction journey or everyone's deconstruction. It's my, my deconstruction journey. And if you don't like it, then make your own podcast or record your own feelings on your phone and just pretend it's a podcast. You could do that as well. Um, which I could do that. I think part of the only reason, part of the reason for doing this is that if I put them on my phone, I'll probably lose them. But when I move, I switch phones. Like, there's so many things I've recorded on the old phones, which might be like gold, like as a writer or as a musician, and I've just totally lost them now because I'm on old phones or phones that have died. And so, this is kind of why I'm doing it, just so I can do, I can now go on Google Podcasts if I ever want to hear my ramblings again. And, um, play them from there, but then also I feel maybe there's, maybe people listen to this, maybe there's some value to it, but if not then, you know, I'm not asking anything of you, that's fine, um, so yeah, so that's what this, um, it's a rainy day today, we were threatened with, um, with thunderstorms, and that's not happened. That was like first thing they said there was going to be thunderstorms. And the dog was out in the garden. And I was like, oh god, are they gonna? Is he just gonna get completely soaked through, or is he gonna be like freaking out because of thunder and lightning? He's only a puppy. But um, yeah, it kind of rained for like ten minutes or so, and then it just kind of stopped, and it was all sunny. Now I've just come out on this job. And it's just throwing it down. It's like that thick, heavy rain. Um, that's what it is. I'm just driving. <laughs> this is not my deconstruction, is it? This is me commentating on the weather and what I'm doing. I was just about to say, I'm just driving near my house, but I'm not going back to my house. I'll tell you another fun fact. <laughs> um, we've got some people... I don't know how... I feel like probably more people in America listen to podcasts. This seems like an American thing rather than an English thing. Like not at the moment anyway. We've got some people outside our house. Um, Neighbours are having their, their curbs lowered. I don't know if that translate, translates into American English. Having your curb lowered. Um, what would he say? It's like the edge of the sidewalk. Like, you know, you've got a road. This is really not deconstruction, is it? You've got a road, the asphalt, as they call it in America. Do they call it road? <laughs> you've got the street, the tarmac, the tarmac adam, the asphalt. You know what a road is. Come on, people. Um, yeah, I've heard them in America talking about roads 
definitely like, in songs and stuff. Um, and you know, the long and winding road by the Beatles. I know they're not an American band, but that's a famous song, right? People in America know that song, unless they hear that song and just like, what? The long, I get long and winding, but what's a road? What? Yeah, good, uh, good humor there, Dan. Well done. Um, so, so the side of the road, you've got the sidewalk, but then the edge, what is between the sidewalk and the road, what's between the pavement and the road, that is what we call in this country, the curb. Oh, is that, you could have curb your enthusiasm, that's a, is that the same thing? Sounds the same, I feel like curb, in what I'm saying here is spelled K-E-R-B, curb, rather than curb. Anyway, so, outside your house, there's a lot of places in this country, maybe it's, I, again, this is being very ignorant, um, I'm sure, I don't know, I don't, I've not been to America for a while, and I've only been to one bit, and I suppose newer houses would already have the curb lowered, which means you can drive from the road up onto the sidewalk and then onto your property, onto your driveway. Um, but I guess a lot of houses in this country, I'm just going to say it's an English thing because it seems a very quaint thing when you say it out loud. A lot of the houses in this country didn't have driveways. Like, for instance, the... Well, we did have a driveway in our house, but... And the curb had been lowered, but it was like... I guess, like, in the past, like, people had very small cars. So our driveway was very narrow. And we didn't have a huge car when we moved in. But we could barely fit it on. Um, and if you had, like, a an SUV or a Land Rover... Um, even, like, a an estate car. Or just a modern car, I mean, what... We had a Toyota Aris when we moved in, which is like the next step up from um, a Yaris, a Toyota Yaris. It's kind of a hatchback, just a small, it's a hatchback, but not a small hatchback, right? That's what it is. We had one of them. Anyway, that barely fit on the drive, so we had to get a new driveway, and luckily we had a curb load so we could drive from the road up the sidewalk onto our driveway but our neighbours they had like walled gardens they didn't have any driveway at all so they'd be outside the house be an enclosed bricks brick wall and in one case they just had some really horrible grass and then in the other case they had like a stoned garden which was just I say a stone garden, they just put a load of stones in it and then some plants on top of that. Anyway, so they got their walls removed, they got all their gardens removed, had driveways put in, but the curb, with those houses, they don't automatically put a dropped curb in front of your house, right? Oh, I mean, if you're English and you listen to this, you're going to be like, this is so shit. Um, maybe don't, maybe it's... Anyway, um, they didn't have a drop curb, which means that if you want to get onto your driveway, you've got to drive 
up onto the sidewalk without a ramp. Basically a drop curb means you've got a little ramp on the sidewalk so you can get into your house, right? That's all it is. But anyway, there's two of our neighbours are having that done. And that means that all the workmen, those workmen people, they're all out there um, hammering. You know those big drills? I think the drills are like kind of... It's not a drill. How do you describe it? <laughs> How do you describe it? Um, you know sometimes when you listen to a podcast there's like 15 minutes of preamble. Um, I'm just doing that. You know, why not? Um, a pneumatic drill, is that what they call it? Pneumatic drill. And it's kind of, it's not a drill, but it's kind of a, a thing that goes in and out. Um, like if you put it on its side, it'd be a very vigorous um, sex toy, I guess. It goes in and out very fast, and it's made of metal, and you, what you do is you put that on on the, the concrete, and it breaks up the concrete. Maybe it's called a concrete breaker. I'm sure I've seen that somewhere. Anyway, so they're out there doing all that, and they, they've got all their, their kit and the gear, and there's a big lorry that they're loading all the broken asphalt onto, and... So, I've just come out from there to escape that. It was a bit noisy, and also because it's pissing down. I've not been in like the garden because I don't want the dog in the garden getting wet. We had this. Oh, this is um, yeah. Really done this flea treatment this morning, and apparently you can't put the dog. You can't get your dog too wet once they've had flea treatment because it'll just wash off. So anyway, that's my life. That's what's happened. You're up to date now. This is the, um, that's the preamble done with, right? So we can all move on, but, you know, what a lovely story you've heard. Um, so, what are we going to talk about? Trinity. So I'm just going to go through some of the notes I've written. Um, I was going to read these beforehand and I started to, but then the dog was being annoying, and then I had to go and do this job, and so... Um, I didn't do it. So I'm just going to go through it now. Um, bear in mind that this was written outside of a tent on my phone a year ago. And yeah, Trinity. So, Trinitarian theology explains an understanding of God and then immediately complicates it. The writers of the New Testament and early followers of Jesus were no about trying to f uh, figure out what it all meant. Even as Jesus was among them, um, some people believed and some people doubted and conversations were taking place and work was being done. Um, so i put here, uh, maybe it's kind of like, I've heard N.T. Rice at that time, um, the grandfather of Anglican theology benevolent grandfather figure of New Testament scholarship, N.T. Wright. Um, he said that like God was, um, he saw God as a composer, um, but that Paul was like a conductor, which is like a very down with the kids um, sort of an analogy. Um, what I would say to the kids is that God is the record producer, 
Paul is the DJ, um, sort of mixing it up. I don't know what a DJ does. I feel like most DJs just press play and then stand there, kind of crossfade every now and again, I don't know. Um, so, I'm not saying that there aren't three persons in the essence of God. I'm not saying there isn't a trinity. I just perhaps wouldn't frame it in that way. I think there are three iterations or aspects of God displayed in the Bible. But maybe they aren't literal people. <sighs> yeah. I think it, I was having an issue with the idea of persons, the three persons in the Trinity. And for God and Jesus, that kind of works. I kind of feel for the Holy Spirit, it doesn't really work. Like, this is a thing. <laughs> like, when, when I was growing up, everyone called the Holy Spirit the Holy Ghost. But then, that kind of changed. And I don't know if that was because people got confused and thought, ah, oh, the Holy Ghost, that is the ghost of Jesus. Um, when Jesus died, that was his ghost there doing that. But then Jesus also came back alive. Um, but at the same time, his ghost was like going around helping people, um, like a like a Casper, I guess, <laughs> like like a Casper the friendly ghost. Um, although Casper the ghost, I don't think he was the Messiah. Did they ever figure out who? Is it like the ghost of a little boy or a little? No, it wouldn't be a girl, would it, Casper? Um, I don't know. So I don't know why that changed, but uh, maybe that's kind of what I believe. Bring I maybe that's what people thought, and maybe that's what I kind of believe that the Holy Ghost was kind of Jesus, <laughs> Jesus's ghost, <laughs> even though Jesus was like back alive. Um, it's like weird, isn't it? Like the Holy Spirit. People say a, a person. I remember. I, I distinctly remember being in church and like. Like the pastor saying, like, oh yeah, the Holy Ghost is a person, and we should acknowledge the Holy Ghost um, as a person. I think that's like, I think it's right to acknowledge these essences or aspects of God, but I don't know, like, like I said at the beginning, I don't know if it's an attempt to explain God, which just quickly becomes overcomplicated and um, yeah so yeah I'm not saying there aren't three persons in the essence of God but I don't think I'd frame it in that way I think there are three iterations or aspects of God displayed in the Bible but maybe they aren't literal people I think persons is too individualistic in the, in the western mind that we sort of have um, it speaks of like three people with their own thoughts and purposes. Um, three gods, I guess. Where, in fact, we only say there's one god. But then, I, I remember uh, there was a thing growing up about the Trinity saying, well, it's like water. So God is water. So if we get this right, God is water, but then water 
can also be ice, like God the Father is ice, God the Son is steam, and that would be the Holy Spirit, wouldn't it? No, it wasn't even that. It was It was just... <laughs> this is the confusion. It's the language we use because we say God, and we feel like God is like the top. So it's God is the Father. Where it's not, it's like Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We've got it so confused, I think. Um, and it is confusing. It's a confusing thing. Like, no wonder, you know... This is the thing, yeah, I think maybe we'll get to this. Despite, yeah, we say, it's sort of, the idea of a person speaks of three people with their own thoughts and purposes and actions rather than one God. It's like three gods, despite the fact we say one God. Um, I think we treat the Trinity in certain ways. Like we say in church, Holy Spirit come. And we know by saying Holy Spirit come that um, we're going to have some people falling over and doing some crazy stuff. Um, we pray to Jesus for healing. That's kind of what we tend to do, I feel, in the, in the church. We pray to the Holy Spirit for magic. We pray to Jesus for healing. And we pray to God for things, like any, anything else beyond that. Like war. <coughs> or against war, not praying for war, probably. Um, I think that's the kind of way we've done it. <coughs> oh, excuse me. I'm not used to others talking, you know. Um, I think we believe instinctively, consciously or not, that God is Father. Here we go. That God is Father. Jesus is his Son. And maybe when forced or faced with Trinitarian theology, or we learn about the Trinity, I'm not putting anything about the Holy Spirit there. I didn't even know God was the Holy Spirit. We instinctively believe, consciously or not, that God is Father, Jesus is a Son. And maybe when we're faced with theolo uh, Trinit Trinitarian theology, or we learn about the Trinity, yeah, when we sort of learn, or we read into the Trinity more, then we kind of, it becomes a bit complicated. Maybe it's the, the idea of like the, the, the Holy Spirit being complicated a, bit, a little bit. Um, I think I get into this in a bit anyway, so I won't, talk any further around that bit but yeah um, I've put here how can three be one I don't know the way the trinity is presented sometimes feels like the power rangers we've got Jesus ranger father ranger and spirit ranger I think that's just a point on its own <coughs> um, I guess in power rangers like they were all separate but then they joined together to be a big robot. Is that what the Trinity is? Is that how it works? Um, I think Frank Skinner, who's a comedian in this country, wrote a bit of a book and sort of was talking about the Trinity and that. And sort of wondered, is it like the X-Men? 
like the X-Men is God, but then, you know, you've got different people within the X-Men. It's like, so complicated. And, yeah. Here we go. After reading The Orthodox Way, which is by Callistus Ware, um, I kind of came to the understanding that our, our limited understanding it cannot be, or cannot explain the wholeness of God, or attempt to describe the ineffable light. Um, I've talked about this before, I think, how that is. Anything that is said of God is a lie because we can't describe God, that kind of thing. Trinitarian doctrine was nailed down in two councils, and we followed the tradition of those councils. Each person in the Trinity is one in essence, with the same purpose and heart. So that's what the uh, the essential idea of the Trinity is, even though we probably don't think of it that way necessarily. Each person in the Trinity is one in essence, with the same purpose and the same heart, like water, ice and steam. There we go. But there's a confusion over the Trinity. Um, and have we confused that, or is it just in our understanding? And at the risk of doing, oh, sorry, at the risk of undoing Trinitarian theology, I'd like to sort of go back to the start. I don't know how long this will be. We'll just work through. So ask the question: Do Jews believe in the Holy Spirit, or is it the same as the Spirit of God? Is the presence of God the same as the Spirit? Um, without reading Jesus in the Old Testament as Melchizedek or the rod that struck the rock and gave water, etc. In the Old Testament, in the beginning, there is God and there is the Spirit of God. God is the Creator. God is Creator and the Spirit of God hovers over the water. We see God present through the Old Testament, and we see the Spirit of God also there. But the Spirit of God is not treated as a separate person. It's quite good, actually. This. Jews do not believe there are two gods, a dual trinity. A duality, is that the word for that? Um, at this point... Can I just remind you that there is no mention of the word Trinity in the New Testament? Yep. Thanks. I, st I stand reminded. Um, if you jump ahead to the prophets, God says he'll send his servant, his son. Well, it depends how we read Isaiah now. Um, <clears throat> but God promises to send his Messiah, right? That's kind of agreed. Um, when God says this, that points to Jesus. Jumping again. The Spirit impregnates Mary and Jesus is born. Jesus is God's promised one and is the incarnation, the enfleshment of God. Um, Jesus is fully divine and fully human and talks of his Father not of your father. Um, it's not he alone that he describes as a son. <coughs> oh, no. Let's go back to that. Jesus is fully divine and fully human. And he talks to his father. And he talks of his father and your father. 
That's the thing, yeah? Jesus talks of his father and of your father. It's not that he is the only son. He describes others as sons, right? As the writers of the New Testament... No. Are the writers of the New Testament attempting to make sense of Jesus in a human and a Jewish way by alluding to truancy? Are the writers of the New Testament attempting to make sense of Jesus in a human and a Jewish way by alluding to Trinity? I don't know what that means. In my mind, the incarnation of God is the same as the Spirit of God. The incarnation of God is the same as the Spirit of God. What is Spirit? What is God? What do we understand as Spirit? Ghost? Holy Ghost? The Ghost of Jesus? That was that. So, in Hebrew, <coughs> Spirit is Ruach. And in Greek, it's Pneuma. Both mean breath. And in context, both mean the breath of God. <coughs> Spirits in the New and Old Testaments are mentioned. The bad spirit. What word is used for them? I don't know if I got that far. Holy Spirit, breath, helper. These are instances of the Holy Spirit in the New Testament. Hmm. This is kind of a bit, yeah, bitty, isn't it? Apologies. I'll say I'm just going for this live. I don't think that a first century Jew would think of God being three people in one essence. I think that this thought or allusion to it may be an attempt at trying to figure it out. But I think that it's perhaps caused confusion over time and division as Muslims and Jews have been against Trinitarianism. <clears throat> Jesus didn't come preaching that he was a person within the Trinity. Jesus was speaking to people who understood the concept of God, understood the Spirit of God, and understood that God's Messiah would save them. Jesus showed how he was the Messiah and the Son of God, and redressed the understanding God's Spirit. <clears throat> I don't think the early Jews or followers of the way that later became Christianity expected a triune God. He said, Jesus said, to go in the name of the Father, Son and Holy Spirit. But I don't know if he intended them to be as individuals. I think they were framed this way to highlight the importance of what God was doing, giving breath and flesh to show us towards God. But I don't know if the idea of a three-person God is a leap that we've leapt further with than we should have done. I don't know if the complication come from the teaching that the Holy Spirit is a unique individual in the way that Jesus was. I don't know. Um, got a bit of word study here, I guess. Um, in Hebrew, the word echad 
that's a good one, Echad. That's my uh, Scousness working there. The word Echad, which is found in the Shema, which is the Jewish prayer from Deuteronomy. Shema Israel, Elanai, Elohenu, Adonai, Elohenu, Adonai, Echad. The Lord our God, the Lord is one. So one there means whole, complete. Um, got another word. Oh no, so yeah, Echad as well is related to Yakad, which is unity. But then there's also the word Yakid, the only one. Attempts have been made to clarify and explore the Trinity, such as the Shack, which I'm sure many people are aware of. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> this is something that's fleshing out, I think. Um, I'm not saying that I'm right, but I think we need to understand it differently. I think we need to see Jesus the same as the Spirit. The Spirit is the presence and power of an ineffable God. Jesus is the Word of God. There at the beginning, the voice of an ineffable God. Um, and Jesus teaches to call God Father. But then Jesus is also an in incarnation of God. And is leading his people to an understanding of God. And shows us how we can relate to God. As a father. But I don't know if it's literal. So the father-son relationship that Jesus talks about is less about him and more about us. Yeah, does that make sense? Yeah. So, that's it. I'm going to take a walk around the shop and then I'm going to come back and sum this up. And I'm back. Fresh from a wander around the shop. And a bit of a thing. <laughs> it's good, isn't it? It's good thinking. Um, just walking around there thinking. As you do. I need this pulling needs a follow-up episode, that's the thing. So I'm gonna do some research. But just having that, reading over that again and sort of thinking about it a little bit again. And I don't know whether I reached this conclusion last time. Probably not because I didn't write it down. Maybe that's where it's good to have a bit of space away to sort of think these kind of things through maybe. But, you know, we've established that the word Trinity isn't in the Bible. Yeah, it, I feel like, isn't it one of the things that, is it in like a, load, a bunch of creeds, or at least, if not the creeds, then it is in like a load of like church manifestos, or you know, this is what we believe as a church, that you believe in the Trinity, and I don't think I do. I don't think I believe 
in the Trinity in that way. Yeah, it seems to be something you have to sign up to. Like, and it is confusing. Like, if you if you try and actually think about it, if you think about like, well, if you think about church doctrine, let's talk. Let's keep on atonement. If we're taking a substitutionary atonement sort of theology as true, then you are believing in hand with the Trinity. You are saying that God, who is also Jesus, needed the death of God, who is also Jesus. So God needed God to die in order for God to, in order for God, God needed God to die in order for God to forgive sin. Right? Okay, let's take that back a step. God needed the death of Jesus in order for God God needed the death of Jesus and needed to put the sins of humanity upon Jesus so that God could forgive humanity For a if, let's take that the next step now. So God needed God. God needed God's self to bear the sins of humanity, and then needed. Then God needed to die at the hand of God's self. <laughs> hand of God's self so that humanity might be forgiven through God bearing the sins of humanity God dying to sort of to <laughs> to gain the will to, to gain the acceptance of God you know doesn't make any sense. Uh, if you take, in order for you to believe in substitution atonement theory, you have to believe that God and Jesus are separate entities. You have to believe that Jesus is a God, not the God, a God. And you have to believe that God is a God, well, God the Father is a God, and that the Holy Spirit is just, well, you know, <laughs> that's like the magic, the magic act in between. So the Trinity, if you look at it that way, if you believe that theology, right, the Trinity that concept 
is a belief in three gods. Because how can God require the death of God's self in order for justice to have taken place? Let's take on the next step. How can God commit suicide in order for justice to take place and for sins to be forgiven? Like, it doesn't make any sense. <sighs> that needs another episode, I think. That needs another episode. I'm back home now. I can see the dog's bum at the door. That needs another episode, doesn't it? The Trinity. So, I don't believe in the Trinity. It doesn't make it... And I think... I, before I got onto that bit, you know, I was just going to say, I think, I don't know if it's there to deliberately confuse you. Like, we need to enact some kind of wonder into God, so we're going to have this concept of what God is. And it's going to be really confusing. I mean, God doesn't need confusing. God is ineffable enough. There is mystery enough. There's enough mystery of God without church doctrine stepping in and confusing, like muddying the waters further just for the sake of, let's face it, control. Because by saying if you don't believe in the Trinity, that's, like, that's a way of controlling people. And you're asking them to believe a concept that doesn't make sense with the rest of your theology. So, do I believe God? Do I believe in God? Yes, I believe in God. Do I believe in God's Spirit? Or in the Spirit of God? Yes. You know, at the, at this stage, yeah, I believe in the Spirit of God. I believe in the presence of God. I believe in God. Do I believe that Jesus was the incarnation of God? Yes, at, at the moment, yeah, yeah. And that's one of the great things about Christianity. <clears throat> but do I believe in the concept of the Trinity? No. And that makes things a lot easier to understand. Because with that, you've just got God at the beginning, the Spirit bearing over the water, and Jesus, who is the Word of God, the incarnation of God, the voice of God. Although, at that point, Jesus isn't named Jesus. It's just God, and the Spirit of God, the presence of God. It's all the same. The Trinity is 
So confused, man. I've got a tattoo. Maybe I was onto this a while back. In a way. Subconsciously. When I was first introduced to the mystery of God. And the name of God. I am that I am. I got a tattoo, that in Hebrew on my wrist, and it's it's got around it. It's got a, a Celtic Trinity knot. It's kind of a mashup of Celtic and Jewish sort of thing going on. And when I got it, I didn't really understand. what I was getting probably I think it was the mystery of I am that I am the God with no name that also who also is an enfleshment an incarnation who led us towards that And also spirit. <laughs> and also... And also spirit. I don't really... You know... I didn't really get it, but I knew that... I believed in those three things. I didn't get it for the Trinity. I got it for the oneness. The completeness. I guess. <clears throat> I think the Shema... Prayer was like something I'd heard about of as well and looked into that on the Akkad. The one, we are one, complete. The Lord our God, the Lord is one, the Lord is complete. Yeah. Anyway, there we go. We'll come back to this, I promise. But for now, I'm at home, I'm going to let the dog out and have some biscuits. I'll see you later. Bye.